and welcome to Taking the Party Out of Politics. This is a podcast about understanding how politics is supposed to work, why it isn't working as well as it should be working, and what we might be able to do about it. Because by understanding a little bit more clearly how things are supposed to work and why they're a bit messed up, we might be able to get things to work a bit better, perhaps even a lot better. This is episode two of our special bonus mini-series, in which we'll be looking a little bit more deeply into the five impossible puzzles of political participation, from our perspective as voters. We first discussed these impossible puzzles during season one of Taking the Party Out of Politics. If any concept here doesn't immediately make sense, or if you feel that you want to learn more about that topic, please go back and listen to the appropriate earlier episode. Taking the party out of politics is taking you on a little journey to explore the systems and functioning of politics. Systems which we should all understand because those systems affect all of our lives, all of the time. Left-wing or right-wing, intergovernmental climate change summit or parish council Zoom meeting. And this podcast is about how we might be able to make those systems work a bit better. By understanding what's happening by understanding why it isn't always happening in the way it's supposed to happen, and by understanding what sorts of things we might do to make it work better. So, this is episode two of the five impossible puzzles of political participation. It's a mini-series, five puzzles, so you won't be shocked to learn that there will be five episodes in total in this mini-series. This episode is about the impossible puzzle for voting, which all starts with what is called the first-past-the-post voting system, which we have in what we call our representative democracy. So, let's start at the beginning. If there are two candidates standing for election, then, unless there's a dead heat, one of them will get more votes than the other, at least if we only count valid votes and votes which are actually cast and don't include all the people who didn't turn up to vote at all. That's a whole other story. And if there are two candidates, and one of them gets more than the other, then that person is elected, and that person had a majority of the votes, more than 50%. For the sake of simple numbers, let's say that our winning candidate got 60% of the vote, the losing candidate got 40% of the vote, and the winning candidate becomes our elected representative. So far, so good. Well, not necessarily good, but at least relatively simple to understand. 60% of the vote, and you get elected. But what if there are three or more candidates? Well, if there are three or more candidates, it gets a bit more complicated. The problem here is what we call first-past-the-post at the constituency level. It would still be nice and simple if one of the candidates got more than 50% of the vote. Then he or she is elected. Not really a problem. And some of the time, that does happen. Let's imagine that there are three candidates. One candidate got 20% of the vote, and so did one of the other candidates, another 20%. But one of the candidates got all the rest of the votes, 60%. So, although there are still other challenges, such as whether the elected representative can manage to represent the 40% who didn't vote for them, at least the elected representative got a clear majority of the votes which were cast. Some of the time, that happens. If we're lucky, that happens more than half the time. But not all of the time. Not by a long way. But with three candidates, or four candidates, or more candidates it's actually likely that opinion will be more evenly divided across various political preferences, political perspectives, and so on. 
For example, one candidate might get 40% of the vote, one might get 35% of the vote, and a third might get 25% of the vote. The candidate with more votes than anyone else is the one with 40% of the vote. Now, this is where language can be misleading if we aren't paying attention. The candidate with 40% of the vote has more votes than any of the other candidates. That means that that candidate has the most votes, but it doesn't mean that that candidate has most of the votes. Because although the candidate who has the most votes, 40%, has more than any of the other candidates, most of the votes were actually cast for the other two candidates, because 35% plus 25% is 60%. The most votes is not the same as most of the votes. And at least some of the time, in fact, quite a lot of the time, it can seem as though the candidate who won in a particular constituency didn't just get more votes than any other candidates, but it seems like they got most of the votes. And that's often not the case. Now, in a system such as the French presidential election, the leading two candidates get through to a second round. So in our imagined scenario with three candidates with 40%, 35% and 25% of the vote, the candidate in third place with just 25% of the vote is eliminated. Then in the second round, one or the other is going to get more than 50% of the votes cast, unless there's an absolute dead heat, but that doesn't happen. Sometimes the candidate who came second in the first round can actually come through to win in the second round. For example, as we saw in the Argentinian presidential election in November 2015. There's also another way in which the winner can be decided by eliminating the candidate in second place, and that's by having a system of second preference votes. That's sort of like having the second round of votes at the same time as the first round by saying up front who you would vote for if your candidate was eliminated in the first round. We talked a little bit more about that in episode four of Taking the Party Out of Politics. So have a listen to that if you're interested to learn a little bit more about things like transferable votes and single transferable votes. But in the UK, we don't go in for two lots of votings or for second preferences. In local constituencies, the one who got the most votes, not a majority, just more than any of the others, that person is elected as the local representative, the MP. We call that first past the post. It's the one in the lead, not necessarily the one who has more than half of the votes. Now that means that in the example of the candidates getting 40%, 35% and 25%, the one who got 40% is elected, even though most people actually voted for someone else. Again, because 35 and 25% add up to 60%. Sometimes this might not be too bad, but on other occasions, it may be that the wrong person is elected. Or at least it might be that the candidate who is elected might not be the person whom the majority of the voters think would be best to represent them. Say, for example, that the two candidates who got 35% and 25% of the vote were both left-wing candidates. Although the people who voted for the least popular candidate would still have preferred their candidate to win, at least some of the time, it might be that they would still prefer to be represented by the other left-wing candidate, rather than by the right-wing candidate, who only got 40% of the votes cast, even though 60% of the people wanted a left-wing candidate. Or, those people who voted for the left-wing candidate might have preferred a more centrist candidate than the right-wing candidate who actually won. And of course, the same is true the other way around. 
those people who voted for the right-wing candidate might have preferred the centrist candidate to the left-wing candidate if their right-wing candidate hadn't won. And remember, the key point is that the candidate who won only got 40% of the votes. It's not a majority. A majority of people actually voted for someone else. Or another way of putting it is to say that a majority of people actually voted against the candidate who won. Now, you might think that this is an unusual circumstance. We hear about every elected representative having a majority. Well, this is another example of where language can be misleading if we aren't paying attention. When politicians talk about their majority, or when journalists talk about such and such an MP having a large majority, or perhaps having a very small majority, what they actually mean is the number of votes more than the next candidate. Let's imagine there are 100,000 voters in a constituency. In fact, the number of voters in a constituency varies quite a lot. The smallest constituency has just over 21,000 voters, and the largest has nearly 110,000 voters. The average across the whole of the UK at the last general election in 2019 was just over 73,000 voters per constituency. But this varies not only from constituency to constituency, but also from country to country, with a median of about 56,000 in Wales, 68,300 in Northern Ireland, and 67,200 in Scotland, and 72,200 in England. Now, those figures are from the Office of National Statistics in 2017, so they're a little bit out of date, but the relative numbers are still about the same. In fact, there's currently discussion going on about changing the constituency boundaries to make them more even across the whole of the UK. Anyway, for the sake of argument, let's imagine that there are exactly 100,000 voters in a constituency. It just makes the numbers easier to work with. If the right-wing candidate is elected with 40% of the vote, and again, to make the numbers easier to work with, let's imagine that everybody voted, well then the right-wing candidate got 40,000 votes. 40% of 100,000 is 40,000. Right, quite a lot of votes, but not more than half of the 100,000 votes. In our example, the two left-wing candidates got 25% and 35% of the votes, respectively. And as we've said, that's 60% of the total votes, a total of 60,000 votes. Again, if we assume that everyone voted. That means that the two left-wing candidates together attracted more votes than the right-wing candidate did. But in the the first-past-the-post system that we have, it's the right-wing candidate who is elected. It's as though it was a horse race and the right-wing candidate is in the lead. 40,000 is more than any of the other candidates, but it's not a majority. If we're talking about a majority of the votes, then the majority of the votes went for left-wing candidates. The right-wing candidate has more votes than anyone else, but only a minority of the actual votes. However, the majority which the right-wing candidate has, in the sense that journalists and politicians use the term majority, that majority is the difference between the number of votes which the right-wing candidate got, 40% of the 100,000 votes, so 40,000 votes, and the number of votes which the next highest candidate got. In our example, 35% of the 100,000 votes, so 35,000 votes. So the majority which our winning candidate has is 40,000 minus 35,000 equals 5,000, a majority of 5,000 votes. But that's not actually a majority, is it? At least not in the way we use the word normally. 
So two things to be aware of here. First, the language being used can be quite misleading. When politicians and journalists talk about an electoral majority, it doesn't necessarily mean a politician has more than half of the votes, even though that's the way we usually use the word majority. Second, the fact that the candidate with more votes than any of the other candidates can be elected means that that candidate can be elected with less than half the votes. In our example, the right-wing candidate is elected with only 40% of the votes. Now, you might think, well, the right-wing candidate played the game better. The left-wing candidates should have known better, and one of them should have stood down, made way for the other, and then a left-wing candidate would have been elected. The right-wing candidate played the game better, the left-wing candidates played the game badly. But, of course, this isn't a game. This is about selecting someone who is going to represent us. It's about selecting a candidate who is going to represent what we think and to look after our interests, to lobby on our behalf for jobs, hospitals, schools. And if 60% of the people in a constituency think that a left-wing candidate would better represent what they want to happen, then is it right that the right-wing candidate becomes our representative? Now, you might think that this is pretty unusual. Interesting theoretical example, mathematically possible, but actually pretty unusual, surely. Well, actually, no. Not only is the language of majorities a bit misleading, but actually this happens about a third of the time. About a third of our representatives are actually elected with less than 50% of the votes in their constituency. It might not always be the case that there's a clear majority of votes for left-wing candidates when a right-wing candidate is elected with less than 50% of the votes. Or the other way around, of course, if a left-wing candidate who is elected with less than 50% of the votes. But either the disappointed right-wing voters or the disappointed left-wing voters might have preferred a centrist candidate or perhaps someone representing a different approach, such as a candidate representing an environmental party rather than someone from the opposite end of the political spectrum. So where have we got to so far? About a third of the time, we are electing representatives who actually only got less than half the votes cast. Or to put it another way, a majority of voters voted against the person who was elected. Now, it might not be as simple as there being three candidates, with the right-wing candidate being elected with only 40% of the vote, whilst the other 60% of the vote was split across two left-wing candidates. But still, about a third of the time, the person who is elected has less than half the votes. Does that really seem as though we're getting the right representative? Not really. So can we call our system of government a representative democracy? Well, that's the impossible puzzle for voting. Unless, of course, you have some different ideas, some suggestions as to how things could be different, perhaps about how we could use our systems differently, or about how we could tweak them so that they worked better in all of our interests. If you have any ideas, we would love to hear from you. In Season 3 of Taking the Party Out of Politics, we will be exploring various ideas about how we could make things better. And we'd love to hear from you. Just email us with your ideas on info at talktogether.info. If your ideas are good, or if they help us and others to understand things more clearly, then we'll include them in Season 3. We might even contact you to interview you about your suggestions. We look forward to hearing your thoughts. Next time, we'll be looking at the impossible puzzle for representatives. 
even if a representative is elected with more than half the votes, how do they fairly represent the people who didn't vote for them? Yet another big problem with the way our electoral system works, or rather, doesn't work. At least, not properly. For now, thank you for listening to Taking the Party Out of Politics. You can download each episode separately from the links on our website, www.talktogether.info, where you can also get transcripts of the podcasts, plus links to all the references for all of our sources. Or you can get all of our episodes downloaded automatically. Just subscribe to Taking the Party Out of Politics on iTunes or Acast. And if you found this interesting, please tell your friends and give us a rating. That not only helps other people to find us, but it just also makes us feel useful. That would be great. Thank you.